Welcome to another episode of the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you've joined us for what will be another incredible episode. Now, for our longtime listeners who show up each and every week, I want to say thank you for always showing up. We, we do this. We create this content for you. We create this content because we are absolutely motivated to help sellers be the best they can be. And if you're a first-time listener, thanks for stopping past. We hope you take away some value and you then become another long-time listener with thousands of others who show up each and every week. Now, this week, I've spoken about this, this topic a couple of times this month, and we've had some great guests that are talking about prospecting. We had Ryan sort of going back a few weeks, if you, if, you, if you missed that episode, go back and check it out because Ryan's an absolute practitioner when it comes to running outreach strategies. We had Chip talk about sort of from a marketing perspective, how you can create more awareness for yourself. And then we we had Kyle who really gives you a bit of a, a different thinking around structuring your deals. But I've worked a lot with a company called Lucia. They're an incredible tech company out in Israel. I've used their platform for a number of years to enrich data. So the thing is with prospecting, modern prospecting, right? It's 2023. It's not like back in the day when you didn't have mobile numbers, you didn't even know who you're talking to and you're doing complete cold calls. Today, we have access to incredible technology that can allow us to enrich data immediately and get phone numbers and emails, literally at the click of a button. And George is the director of sales at Lucia. And, and again, I've had the privilege of working with that business. I've coached their sales team. I'm, I'm absolute, I'm a massive advocate because it's allowed me to do what I do. It's allowed me to close some massive deals as a result of just going on LinkedIn, enriching the data, getting their details and making that call and running the cadence, right? So I've seen the benefit from tools like Lucia. And the reason why I wanted to get George on our show and talk a bit about how to run outbound and, and all the fun stuff that goes with outbound is because he sees this across a range of different organizations. They are literally working with thousands. They've got I think two or 300,000 customers that use their platform. And so they're getting a lot of insight from a variety of different companies and the different types of ways in which they're running their outreach. And, and they're also building now their move from that product-led growth model. And they're also doing a bit of a sales-led growth strategy by getting BDRs and SDRs out there and that. And they do an incredible job. So George will offer some great advice, some great insight, because again, in, in any declining market, our ability to be successful is in the way in which we go out there and drive more net new opportunities. And it's not just about making more calls, right? Because that's probably the biggest mistake. Oh, things are going tough. Just make more calls. Just send more emails. If the quality is not there, if you're not actually putting in the research and really giving consideration to the people you're reaching out to, that extra activity is just going to result in, it's going to be a crazy process because you're not going to see the result. And then you start getting frustrated, et cetera. So there's a little bit of work that you need to put in place in a declining market to ensure the outreach that you do does deliver the result. But the key is you got to get out there. You got to be proactive. You can't wait for opportunities. And this is what today's conversation is all about with George. And we'll really dive deep into this subject. Salespeople often hate their CRM. Why? Because they are hard to use difficult to customize and expensive to maintain. This means leads and opportunities don't get updated. Things get missed and sales can suffer. Insightly is the modern CRM that teams love. Easy to use, flexible enough to support your unique needs and scales with you as you grow. This helps you sell smarter, 
grow faster, and build lasting customer relationships. Insightly is trusted by more than a million users worldwide. For more information, visit insightly.com forward slash get insightly. And again, we've got Growth Forum. It launches next month. And as a thank you, we've got a prospecting program that we've created because we know that it's a bit tight from a market perspective. And we built a prospecting masterclass. It covers a whole range of things. You get a playbook. It teaches you how to build ICPs, teach you buy personas, messaging frameworks. It's got call frameworks in there as well to show you how to build it, cadences, how to video prospect, make the call, cold email. There's a ton of value in there. Check out the show notes. The link is there. Go and click register. It's absolutely free to join and you get access to that program in February. So take advantage of the offer. There is a whole bunch of other incredible programs coming up as well that'll help you be the very best you can be. So check it out. And also let me know what you think. The website's live as well, growthforum.io. Again, it's in the show notes, but check it out. Give me some feedback. But before you do that, listen to this podcast and let me know what you think. Welcome to the show, George. Thanks for having me, Luigi. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good, man. And uh, you're really pumped um, to have you on the show. And I think the reason why I'm really, really excited to, to share your story and talk a bit about how sellers can drive more pipeline and close more deals um, using a modern tech stack, it's because the company you work for, the product that you sell, is something that I've used every day for years. I've been an early adopter of your platform, um, and so I can't wait. You know, I'm, I'm a I'm a huge advocate of the of the product, Lucia Man. So thank you for joining our podcast today. Yeah, and thanks for being a customer and, and a huge supporter for Lucia too, Luigi. Uh, we appreciate it and love to hear, hear about that experience um, <laughs> later on on the call too. Absolutely, and we'll we'll talk about it because I think. You know, I think as we talk about selling in the modern environment, right, like 2022, technology has become an, in, an, an incredibly important part of, of the sales process. I mean, I've been selling um, for such a long time. I, I know what it was like selling without these tools, right? So I, I'm really, really keen to hear a bit about um, how you guys are adopting these tools to really drive pipeline, and especially now that you're making that transition from that product-led growth, growth company to now you know, really bringing that sales-led growth element into it. But before we jump into this topic, we'd love to know where did you cut your teeth and how did you get into this wacky world of selling? Thanks for asking, Luigi. Um, you know, I think it started out pretty early, right? Uh, when I was in high school, I used to buy broken electronics, broken phones, uh, replace the screens and batteries, flip it for a little return. Um, you know, when I was in college, I got into door-to-door -door sales where I was selling vacuums to people so you know knocking on yeah. to people's doors walking into their homes doing a demonstration for uh, a vacuum that can also shampoo your rug and selling people $2,600 vacuum for $30 a month um, shortly after graduating college um, I wanted to get some sales experience and at the time actually a lot of tech companies required having Somewhat of a somewhat of a tech experience, sales experience, alongside a college degree to help you, you know, get an interview with them in the first place. So, yeah, you know, I thought it was necessary, and I went into car sales where I did pretty well, and I probably could have had a, a long professional career in that industry, but I did have a passion to get into the tech side, and that's where um, I transitioned to Oracle, which was my first uh, tech company um, back in 2016. And uh, I started out there as a BDR, quickly transitioned to an account executive role where I was an inside salesperson. Um, and I had a great opportunity to join ZoomInfo at the time before 
they were acquired by Discover Org as an AE, um, you know, where I was part of their uh, commercial team there um, for two and a half years. And I had then the opportunity to join uh, Lucia a year ago um, as an AE, and I took on a business development leadership role. And now I am the uh, director of business development here in the States. So yeah, long, awesome, long so story, good. but good path. But what, a, what, what an incredible transition from a, or incredible career progression, right? Because you've gone from, and look, for those that haven't done door to door, door to door, can it's a, it's a brutal role, right? Let's. <laughs> I remember doing door to door, and there was days where you do like hundred knocks, and ninety nine people wouldn't answer their door, <laughs> and you'd yeah. see people in the in the house, and they'd look, you know, they'd peer out, and they'd see, you know, you're a door knocker, and they wouldn't answer the door. So it, it was, it could be incredibly brutal. But um, I'd love to know from your perspective, what did it teach you, like from a sales resilience mindset? What did the door to door part of selling teach you, and how has it helped you in your career? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question. I think. A lot of my roles have taught me a lot, but there's nothing that can compare to walking into people's houses, making your way in based on a ton of rejection. I mean, you're, you're letting a stranger into your home. Um, yeah. You know, then, um, you know, you're doing a demonstration in the house. Um, you know, the, the climax of selling a vacuum actually is um, walking into a customer's bedroom to show them how many uh, bed bugs you can extract using the vacuum and doing a demonstration on people's beds with your vacuum too. So it was just, you know, it was kind of like putting everything aside and making sure that you're very confident because the minute that, you know, you start questioning this, you know, uncomfortable behavior in the beginning, um, you know, you can get inside your own head, not sound as confident and people wouldn't really trust you into their own home to do these yeah. demonstrations. Um, and it was commission only, like, right? What is it? I'm sorry. It was commission only. Oh, yeah, yeah, commission only. Yeah. So it was commission only. You know, you had to sell something to get a paycheck. And that was something that, I mean, it was my summer in college. So I couldn't go a week without getting somewhat of a paycheck to take back some money back to school. Um, so that was a big thing. You know, we had a, a van drop us off in a neighborhood in the morning, literally a, a van. <laughs> And then you were dropped off at 10 to 11, and then you weren't picked up unless you've done at least five to six demonstrations. So some nights where we're getting picked up from neighborhoods at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, wouldn't get home really late. But um, it did teach me a lot, and I think, you know, it, it, it makes me very grateful for, you know, getting into tech and not having to be out in a van, getting dropped off in neighborhoods, and now I can do this job from home or in the office. Yeah. So that's really interesting, right? Because I think, again, I've been there. I've been there where you commission only and you go on days without a sale, then you start questioning, holy crap, am I going to even put life this week? <laughs> am I going to pay the bills? I was already work I was already living week to week, right? So go yeah. on day three or day four and you can start questioning, you know, maybe I've got to go get a real job. And um, so I can totally appreciate where you came from, but I would love to now migrate that conversation into today's modern sales environment, right? So, and I think for a lot of sellers who haven't gone through that process, you know, the fact is in today's sales environment, I mean, you were door knocking, pretty difficult from a demand gen perspective. So that's, that's what that was a key way for them to create demand. But if you now, if you now look at 2022, the way in which we sell is very different than what we did sort of, you know, five or 10, even five years ago. Um, 
Now at a click of a button, I can jump on LinkedIn, I can find the person I need to talk to within an organization, and I can get their mobile and email address, and all of a sudden, bang, I can engage with them right. directly, right? So there's a lot that's changed. But yet, for some reason, I saw a recent study um, that approximately just under 30% of sales teams are actually hitting target. So there are a lot of sales teams missing target. Now, Lucia is an interesting business, right? Because you guys have fundamentally been a product-led growth organization and sales-driven growth wasn't really a top priority. Do you mind me asking what's changed in the org that they have now brought in more of a sales growth mentality to try to accelerate results? Yeah, I, th I think that's a good question. And I think it's, you know, like everything else going on, right? You, you do have to adjust to kind of the modern selling practices. So like in terms of what's changed from the times people go to door to door in today's world, I think people sometimes still go door to door, right? Um, yeah. It's just an, another avenue for a way to connect with folks. What hasn't changed is like the tenacity and, and you know, to, yeah. to go after sales. The, um, the, the, you know, having a positive mental attitude to start out every day, um, being a, putting in the work, right? So if you're not going door to door, are you picking up the phone and making a cold call, uh, sending out an email, connecting with somebody on LinkedIn? Um, now, luckily, luckily enough for us here at Lucia is that, yes, we are a product-like growth company. Um, so we do have so many people within our within our funnel that are raising their hands with you know the, the best form of intent, letting them letting us know that hey, there's a business need somewhere in our company that led us to download your free tool and leverage your data. There's a there's a reason why we should be reaching out to them. So yeah. from that perspective, I think what's changed is instead of waiting for folks to make that upgrade themselves and, and, and click contact sales and request a demo to meet with a salesperson. We're working off of certain triggers that are generated through our user base that let us know that, hey, there's an, an ideal customer right here showing yeah. us the buying signals needed to engage with them. Um, yeah. Now, from that going outbound perspective, I believe uh, you know there are some different things that you can do to still like have that first party intent to leverage relevant contacts with you. Um, yeah. Just like in your regular brick and mortar store, you have folks coming in, uh, walking around your store, and then when they're ready, they'll check out and, and come to the register. Um, we're working in a similar motion here where we're working off of hand raises, uh, anonymous website visitors, and people coming to us showing um, some purchase, some kind of buyer intent and interest in Lucia. So that's yeah. really interesting, right? Because um, so you've got, you know, and I was one of them, yeah? I was one of that were, I just found your tool and all of a sudden I thought it was, you know, I thought it was God's gift to selling, right? It was like, man, all of a sudden, man, I've got a, I've got a number and I've got an email address and it's going to save me tens of hours of research and getting referral. Mate, it was just, a, it was, and I don't know what I did without it, to be honest, let's be honest, right? So, and, and right. you know, my listeners have heard me say this before and, um, I've literally closed hundreds and hundreds, probably in the millions now of business as a result of Lucia. Just get that direct dial. And it also, from a, a velocity perspective, because I've been able to get those direct dials and emails, it's actually saved me a whole lot of time in a sales process because I'm able right. to get them into a conversation sooner, right? Now, absolutely. I see the benefit. I absolutely see the benefit to this. But yet, 
for some reason, there's so many sellers out there at the moment that when you think about modern selling, and you talked about it before, like intent, looking at intent, et cetera, triggers, but so many sellers have access to the number or have access to the data, but choose not to use it. So they'll be like, well, I've got the email and phone, but I won't call, I'll just use email lead. And hence, we're seeing a lot of companies struggling to build pipeline, right? Why do you think that's happening? Oh, I wish I had an answer for that, right? I can only answer it for ourselves here internally as a company, but I think one of it's being that, you know, some of these companies might've been successful doing what they've been doing to this day, right? Mm. But what happens is when we're hitting some kind of market instability, uh, you get a pandemic, um, companies aren't raising as much funding as before and spending and purchasing has tremendously slowed down. And so all of a sudden it's like, Hey, what have we, what have we been doing wrong? That's all of a sudden not like stop working for us. And that's where companies look into their KPIs and numbers and realize like, Hey, why are we sending out, um, 90% emails and only 10% of our outreach is made through cold calls. Now I think it should be an equal distribution of like your cold calls, LinkedIn, your emails. Um, you know, we know it takes an average of almost 16 touch points to, to yeah. get a response back from a customer leveraging all these different touches. So I think it's a matter of training and awareness of what are these modern best practices companies are using to get in touch with folks, but also modern best technologies that you could be leveraging. So um, back in 2016, when I worked at Oracle, we blocked off the first month of every quarter or fiscal year as well to do something called white spacing. And it's yeah. basically uh, account mapping exercises for your whole territory where you map out relevant decision makers, their phone numbers, their emails, mm -hmm. uh, company revenue, you're scrolling through 10K reports, trying to find the employee headcount, goals for the year, et cetera. And it, it just takes up so much time, right? Just to, to build out that list that can go stale in two days after things change, you know, in the market. Um, so when we talk about like modern best technologies, it's leveraging tools like Lucia in today's world or a tool like Outreach or Sales Loft for yep. sales engagement um, to help you um, keep track of your touches and make sure that you know, you're leveraging all these different types of avenues and not only emails to connect with your folks. Mm. Um, but in short, Luigi, I think it's all about education. I think educating people um, with data on here's what the best companies in the world are doing. And here's how they're, they're being successful. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it comes down to like putting in that activity and effort. Yeah. So you've got, and this is where, I, I mean, I'm, this is why I'm really excited about this chat because your company's literally working with thousands of organizations. You've got over, what is it, 300,000 users yeah. in the Lucia environment, right? Um, yeah. And, and, and what are some of the trends? So you've just mentioned 16 touches, leveraging sales engagement platforms, using omnichannel, but what are some of the other things that, you know, your customers, people that are getting success from accessing the data, looking at sales now, what, what, what are they doing differently that's delivering them an improved sales result. So for sales professionals listening to this, what can they take away to say, hang on, you know, this is what best practice looks like. At least I've got something to, to work towards. That's a great question. I think it could be different case by case, right? But it comes with um, 
you know, I, I just improving little things at a time. If you focus on ripping out and replacing a whole sales process and changing things overnight for everybody, it, it's going to cause, I think, more of a slowdown and a speed bump and a hurdle rather than a trajectory to success. So, for example, if you start out adding a call touch point, an email touch point, and a social touch point, that's the first step of practicing this modern best practice. Yeah. But one of the best ways to measure and improve that is by slowly working on improving small components of those processes. So for example, for cold calling, um, I like to start off with cold call training on how to win the first 30 seconds of a call, right? Yep. Let's let's focus on winning the first 30 seconds. And if once we do that, let's get to that two minute mark. And if yep. we can get to that two minute mark, then we can either book a discovery at that point or uh, if the customer has time, run a full discovery on that cold call that, that you let them to. Mm. Um, so being able to break down each activity to like the beginning part of the first 30 seconds, the first two minutes, and then step-by-step step improving, you know, uh, different things. Now with emails, it starts out with, all right, now if I'm going to touch people 16 times within a three-week time span, um, I'm going to have a heavy week one worth of activity where we'll have a yeah. the most emails, calls, and touches. And one of the ways to improve those is, again, like doing a lot of testing. Um, start off with testing a subject line to improve your open rates. Yeah. Um, next thing you know, once you've gotten the open rate that you want to, work on the first sentence of the email. Um, work off the reply rate at that mm -hmm. point, the views and the engagement that you're getting, and make small adjustments to what you're doing. So. A lot of this stuff takes a long time. Uh, the first thing you need to do is like have the awareness and understand like where are my areas that I want to improve and setting a priority with the one that's going to help deliver the, the fastest impact right away and just making these small adjustments week over week or day over day um, okay. with that problem bandwidth. So this is good advice, right? So if you're a seller listening to this, you want to up level up your outreach to generate more results. First thing is really think about what does my omni-channel touch need to look like? Because we know the data says at least 16 touches to engage a prospect and making sure they're leveraging an omni-channel. So phone, email, LinkedIn, right. et cetera. And yeah. then once now, you've defined, oh, sorry. Yeah, now I, I want to add something because some things might work for you, but they they'll work for a different person. So for example, I have a rep that's really good with social engagement, um, yeah. social outreach. You know, they can hit their number without making one call or even they can probably hit their number without even sending an email out. They can do it directly off of LinkedIn. On the other hand, I have reps that are unbelievable with their emails where mm. I wouldn't, when they worked to me and they're already promoted, I didn't require them to make calls because they had an 80% reply rate to their emails. So wow. it's more of like, yeah, it was insane. And I have a rep who's amazing on the phone that converts 50% of their live connections to a meeting on the calendar where in these cases to leverage your, 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 you know, your superstars you have in your team to teach the rest of the team what's working for them. And I think that's what you could do as a leader to help yeah. button up these areas where I'll have my social person share her best practices with everybody on the team, um, especially the email guru and the call guru and, and vice versa. I have my call guru run the objection handling calls for cold calling and, and other training. So learning off of each other's and using our strength to better others' weaknesses as well. But see, this is awesome. And I think, and I'm only assuming this, right? So tell me if I'm wrong. 
but I'm assuming that the guys that are or the team members that are getting those results, they're obviously using some intent, intent data, right? They've obviously got somebody that might have downloaded one user in a business and they're using that to trigger the engagement, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it could be the intent from our usage. Um, yep. It could be, you know, slow social cues. I mean, um, hate to give away a lot of secrets, but like there's a lot on LinkedIn, right? You, you put a hashtag for the product that you sell, <laughs> find a post, and target everybody who's engaging with that post, right? Um, yeah. That's a lot of goal right there. It could be companies raising funding, new leadership. Yeah. Um, and then just being able to, whether it's the first 30 seconds of a call, the first sentence of an email, um, make it very relevant for that person and separate ourselves from the rest of the market, right? Um, you wanna think about how many people are reaching out to Luigi and how do I separate myself from the other 100 BDRs that are trying to get into yeah. your calendar? Yeah, but but again, I think, and this is for, for, for everyone listening to this episode, I think this is awesome, right? Because what you're saying is, as part of your outreach strategy, you need to be leveraging triggers and looking at things that people that might be, like you said, funding raises. If they're talking about the particular problem or the product or, you know, using the tools out there to then create a reason to be reaching out to them. So I just want to go back, make sure that we're capturing because this is gold. So first things first to level up your outreach, build a cadence that extends at least 16 touches. Make sure it's an omni-touch cadence. Second, look for triggers before designing your outreach messaging and then leverage the channels that you're strong at. And if you're not strong at certain channels, look to others who are strong and get their skills. Learn what they're doing because if you can then bring that into your kind of your toolkit, all of a sudden your outreach is just going to go three or four times what you're currently doing. Absolutely. And then if you're stuck too, there's so many resources on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everything that we learn, like a lot of what we're learning and what I teach is like stuff that I've learned from other great sellers yeah. around, great leaders I've had. But there's a lot of resources on the web and then people that you can run into. So what I've found is that it's okay as a business development leader to reach out to another business development leader yeah. at a similar company and reach out and say, hey, like I'd love to meet with you and learn about how you got your organization from 200 to 250 people and what that was like. Um, or, you know, learn about some best practices, some type of messaging. Um, yeah. What are some subject lines that are getting you the best open rates? And it's okay to share those best practices. And I think it's even more acceptable in today's world to um, do that and leverage resources within our network. Um, yeah. And things like LinkedIn open that up and make it so easy. Well, yeah. And I'd love to know, because obviously, you know, you're dealing with, and I know about a recent account that you've just landed, a massive, massive global brand, which we also love. I'm not sure if we're allowed to talk about it yet, George, but a massive brand, um, which, which I also use. Um, but I'd love to get your insight on multi-threading because yes. I often talk to sellers and they're like, oh, I was chasing that account, but the person said no and it's gone to close lost. And I'm like, what do you mean it's gone to close lost? It's, that's it's such a big opportunity. <laughs> it's the yeah. right ICP. They got the problem. One stakeholder said no to that particular message. And now you're, you're marking the whole account as closed lost. Um, right. Is multi-threading something that you're to execute? And if so, what's their strategy around it? Crucial. I mean, crucial. And 
I work on our multi-threading cadences and outreach, you know, week over week to try to help improve it. Um, I think it's multi-threading super important, whether it's for prospecting um, and, and trying to get through the door of a client to book a meeting with them. Um, you know, for example, for us, we might be speaking to a lot of end users. We'll see a lot of registrations from a certain company. In those cases, if the champions and users aren't willing to help us get to their leaders, um, you know, it is absolutely encouraged to multi-thread to decision makers. Yeah. Um, and when you're multi-threading, you're targeting specific buyer groups at those organizations with relevant messaging that'll resonate with them. Um, you know, so if I'm multi-threading to a sales operations department, we're talking about our data enrichment capabilities and um, data syncing and, and getting rid of duplicates within Salesforce and helping clean that up. Um, where if we're multi-threading into marketing, it's more about list building, uh, webinar targeting, um, and being able to retarget companies they met at trade shows or events. And I think a big thing with multi-threading is the relevant messaging for yeah. those personas. Um, and it can be done in, in many different ways. It can be done by the salespeople or marketing departments in kind of your account-based marketing campaigns. Now, there's also a massive aspect that you mentioned about, which is multi-threading into current opportunities, where mm. you might be speaking with a person that's, you know, even if it's a decision maker that you thought of um, and you thought you've lost a deal, I've learned from my experience that if you're able to multi-thread to the right decision makers, and show them the value that this tool will bring to their org uh, based on the challenges those personas typically face, then you have a very good chance of reviving that deal and getting it in front of the right person. Because yeah. what happens often many times, and you probably see it a ton, is like we're playing telephone with our champion and their decision yeah. maker, not truly knowing where our opportunities stand. Yeah. So huge believer in multi-threading. Yeah. But I, and I love your description, right? Because this is where I often see, and I've, I've been guilty of this as well, right? When I'm trying to multi-thread, but I'm using a one, a one size fits all approach with the messaging framework, which doesn't work because a head of sales enablement has different KPIs to a head of sales and RevOps and the salesperson, like even though they might be similar, their core objectives are actually different. Um, right. And so if I'm going to those different personas with the same messaging, to some extent, I'm actually, I'm creating a barrier for myself because the other person's actually not engaging with that particular message because they're saying this isn't relevant for me. So I love your description about making sure the message when you're multi-treating is relevant to the different persona, which is awesome. It has to be a, a value touch points. It can't be a check-in or hey, I'm following up because I spoke with your team. No, it's, hey, I've been speaking to your team and here's what I've learned about um, what you're going through. And I want to share with you how we can help you solve these gaps by you know, X, Y, and yeah. Z. Um, yeah. So personalization, keep it short because the higher you go, uh, the less time you have to capture their interest. Um, yeah. that, that time just takes and takes and takes away. Um, yeah. But I think... You know, I, I think it's also important for, you know, your, you think about your account manager, people managing accounts or people that are in customer success management. Um, you know, your administrator or your deal signer that signed a deal a year ago might not be at this company a year from today. So it's yeah. always good to multi-thread and know who are some other relevant stakeholders at these organizations 
but it's also for growth opportunities too. Yeah. Um, so it's never ending, I think, with multi-threading. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's such great advice here, Ryan. I think we've covered a lot of ground today. We've covered the fact that having making sure we've got a modern tech stack so that we can leverage data, we can leverage tools to allow us to execute that touch point of 16 at least. So then having a cadence that's extended over a period of time using an, an omni-channel cadence, then multi-threading, getting the right message, tailoring it to the persona for both the existing and net new opportunities. So we've covered some awesome ground here. And I think for most of our listeners, there's some really good takeaways. Um, just before we get to the point where we, we, we wrap up and ask you where the best place to find you, I just would love to know in your organization right now, if you're thinking about your top performing rep, what's one thing they're doing differently that other people should be doing? It's a great question. I think, you know, it, it comes down to the grit, right? Like you have to want this, you have to want the self-improvement. I think be open to coaching and feedback. Um, I wasn't always as open to it. And I honestly, I wish I was, young you know or a longer time ago because i would have developed much quicker and i think yeah. for me coming from a, a traditional a car dealership where i had to sell a car to get a paycheck then going to tech you know um demonstrating value was a big thing instead of selling on the product you don't need to be a product expert you need to be a great listener that can unpack um and be able to not say a single word about product, but just really understand your customers, what they're going through and how, and if you can actually help them out and be a fit, so you're not leading them on. So I think it's like the self, right? Like if the, the coachability, the grit, the positive mental attitude, the ability to handle rejection, and also the ability to believe in yourself and trust your processes, because yeah. it, you can be a really good rep, but you can go through a, a rut of four to five days of, everybody hanging up on you, no one responding to you, not booking a meeting. Yeah. That's where you don't want to change everything that you're doing that's helped you be successful to that point, but try to really understand what are the gaps. And if there aren't any gaps, let me just keep doing some of my positive repeatable processes that have gotten me results in the past so I can, I can get out of this front yeah. today. Um, but I think it's, it's a lot, right? Like this, this job can put a toll on you. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot of it's on yourself. If you can take on as much accountability on yourself for better improvement, um, you have to trust that the business that you're in, the company and your leadership team is going to put their best foot forward to support you as long as that you're fully invested in yourself too. Mate, I, I, I love that, man. I mean, I, I think that's a great, that's a great description of what sellers can do today to become a high performer and that is be totally open, be totally coachable and really leverage the opportunity that comes from learning, right? And I think that's the key thing and know that you are right. There's one thing that I've learned in, in my career, I've been doing this for 20 years now, so I sound pretty old, right? But I've had peaks, I have moments where it's like, fuck yeah. And then I have some really low moments where I'm like, oh my God, this, this career is kicking me yes. in the stomach, right? Steve? Yeah, and you're questioning everything. It's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, Do I go back to school here? Right? But the one thing that I've taken off, I always take away from this is like the moments that I get kicked in the stomach are the best moments. 
because it allows me to then get up and grow and just build another level of capability, right? So I love your description there, mate. So, but before we let you go, George, where is the best place for our listeners to find and engage with you? Yeah, thank you, Luigi. This has been amazing. So LinkedIn, obviously, um, I think that would be a great place. Um, my LinkedIn to find me is George Namor. I work at Lucia. Um, I also, you can also find me, you know, through my email, uh, it's george.nnetlucia.com. Um, and I'd love to chat and connect at any time Just shoot me a note and I'm open to it. Awesome. And we'll definitely put in the show notes where you can find and engage with George. We've got an upcoming webinar with Lucia, which is going to be awesome. It's about, you know, how to actually build, how to build a process to help you generate more from your outreach and, and, you know, full transparency. As I said before, I've closed a lot of business as a result of Lucia George. So mate, I just want to say not just thank you to the founders of Lucia that have made it in- incredibly easy for me to find my prospects and engage with them. But I just oh, want to yeah. say thanks mate for the contribution you make um, and for the work that you're doing in the sales community. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me here, Luigi. It's been a pleasure and I'm excited for a webinar. Make sure you tune in.